This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we have the luck, misfortune, uh, to be reviewing one of Sam's picks. Sam, what did we read? Well, I hope it's luck because I. Anyways, it is Doctor Strange, Volume 1, Way of the Weird. And this is a Daredevil pick for me. I've never read much of Dare, uh, Doctor Strange, so I wanted to put one on the list and all of us enjoy it together. And I think I've done pretty good. I could be wrong by y'all's faces. Well, I, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, spoil this to, for, for you on the way, but I've read the entire Jason Aaron run on Doctor Strange. Yeah. I like it a little bit. It's pretty good. I like it. I, I kept going. So. Josh ain't got none. Nah, waiting for the grades. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's Makes get to it. nervous. Yeah. All right. Our first uh, segment of the show is the live-action Batman grades. This is the portion of the show we give out our eccentric grades based on the men who have thus far played Batman in live action. And from best to worst, they are Bell, Affleck, Keaton, West, Kilmer, and Clooney. Josh, tell us why you went Clooney. <laughs> I didn't go all the way down to Clooney. Uh, <laughs> but I did give it an Affleck. Almost got top <laughs> grades. I enjoyed it a lot. It was good. Okay. Uh, I feel better about it. Yeah, no, it was it was a solid story. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. That was a you you've been giving off a real negative vibe the whole time about this thing. So that was a real juke move. Good job. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. That's why um, I make the big bucks. I, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sitting right on the line between like Keaton plus Affleck minus. Um, I really like the story here, but there's other problems I have and. And I have some like some structural issues with how they put this collection together. Um, I think maybe we need another issue or two put into this thing. Because um, I read this as single issues. I, I read this monthly as it came out. And, it, I mean, <laughs> you just waited yeah. for the next month. You weren't waiting for the next volume to come out. And so um, so we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll go I'll go F minus is my final grade. I, I do like this a lot. You better... So we're all three in agreement. I gave an Affleck myself. You know, it, it's it's virgin on Bell territory for me. I really enjoyed this one. And we'll give it a little nitpicks, and I'll tell you why I won't go to Bell when we get to the pyramid. Well, I've got more than nitpicks, but we'll, we'll have to get into that when we get to the pyramid. Uh, our creator credits this week are, it's written by Jason Aaron, who I am really hit and miss with. I really like his Doctor Strange. I'm uh, in the vast minority of Marvel fans. I did not like his Thor run. I know it's just me. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 it was okay when uh, what's her face, Natalie Portman's character. What was her name? Jane, Jane Foster. Yeah, when Jane became Thor, I, I liked that. But like once she gave the hammer back, I was like mad. I'm like, I liked it better when Jane was Thor as far as Jason Aaron's writing them. Anyway, nobody cares about that. Um, the pencils and colors are by Chris Bacallo. Inks are by a whole bunch of people. Uh, Tim Townsend, Al Vey, Mark Irwin, John Livesay, Wayne Foucher, Victor Olazaba, and Jamie Mendoza. Probably Jaime Mendoza. Uh, letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. That's a lot of anchors on five issues. Uh, we may is. get into that as well. Uh, but this is the time we give you the warning. Um, after you hear the nuclear klaxon go off, it is full scale. Radioactive spoilers ahead.
time for the bite size breakdown. Josh, go. All right. Issue one, titled The Way of the Weird. We're introduced to Doctor Strange and the weird, weird world he lives in. He encounters a lot of magical beings fleeing something called the coming slaughter. Monaco, the prince of magic, makes an ominous statement. All magic has a cost, and Doctor Strange's bill has come due. Then Zelda Stanton comes to Doctor Strange for help. She has soul eaters coming out of her head. Doctor Strange evicts them from Zelda. Then we flash to somewhere far across the dimensional gulf, where another Sorcerer Supreme is being killed by the Empirical, who is the coming slaughter. Chapter 2. This is where things get unusual. Doctor Strange takes Zelda on a glorified tour through the Sanctum Sectorum as they fight her brain monsters. She learns about the house and his unusual diet. <laughs> then he absorbs her monsters and she signs up for a part-time job. Then, in what is basically a post-credit scene, another dimension Sorcerer Supreme almost reaches Doctor Strange before getting dragged back by the Empirical. So, issue three. Eaters of Magic. Doctor Strange is naked and running through the park in his astral form. He's been chased by slugs that eat magic. He takes an axe from the mouth of one of the slugs and starts fighting them back. He is trying to remember how he got there. Uh, the last thing he remembers is opening a door in the sanctum. He soon realizes the town is infested with these slugs. He hitches a ride with one of the flying slugs and makes his way back to the sanctum, where he finds his where he finds Wong fighting slugs. Doctor Strange gets back in his body. He then feeds the slugs all the magic they can hold and puts them in a food coma. He goes to the realm the slugs are from and finds all the magic has been burned away and all the Sorcerer Supremes are dead. The Imperator decides to go after Doctor Strange and doesn't care that Doctor Strange knows he is coming. He declares death to magic. Then laser eyes the whale. That's all I had. I don't know what he done at the very end of that one. <laughs> he killed the whale. I think it was a whale. Magic whale. Uh, laser right. eyes. Issue four, the art of puking without puking. The issue opens with the Ancient One teaching Doctor Strange the lesson that all magic has a cost. We then see Doctor Strange addressing the magical, magical community, stating something bad is coming and there is no help. Doctor Strange goes to the Temple of Watum, where everything is dead, only to be attacked by the Empirical. Zelda finds all the books are dying in Doctor Strange's library, and Wong goes on a trip to somewhere snowy. Chapter 5, Pound of Flesh. We open on a flashback where we see Wong taking care of Strange. He's having trouble paying the price of magic. Back in the present, we see how Wong solved the problem. He created the Secret Disciples of Strange, a group of monks who help him pay the price by sharing the burden. Then the Empirical attack and begin an all-out assault on magic on Earth. Strange whips out some Atlantean black magic and stops the attack on New York. But when the Imperator shows up in person... No, but then the Imperator shows up in person, and we end on a cliffhanger as stuff is about to get real. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Big cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't love ending on that big of a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. No. Let's do one, one more issue, guys. Come on. Yeah. I want to see. Yeah. So I remember last week we were giving Comixology Summary a hard time. Uh, and I guess they were talking about the first four pages of issue three where he's <laughs> naked and doesn't know yeah. who he is. That was like, I thought that was going to be the whole overarching theme of volume yeah. one, but it was like four pages of issue three. So. It was like 80% of their, like <laughs> their summary, but like 2% of the story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably less than 2%. Just a little glimpse. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and uh, it was kind of, I think they just done like a snatch. Like a, a snapshot of the story, and it, it worked. 
Might, it makes you want to read it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it might make some people want to download it. <laughs> Naked Cumberbatch. Get people in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. It's time for the graphically novel pyramid. This is the part of the show where we evaluate a book on whether it's a good book or not based on three elements. Story, art, and character. Uh, Sam, you've got story. What you think? So, on this story, you know, it was an interesting uh, take. I, I like how they had the the magical, always on the in the forefront. All the stuff he done, like all the monsters and stuff, how it's always something we don't see. They kept bringing that up. But uh, I thought it had, like, a, a good pace. It was a, a, a different hero story, too, on top of that. And then I had, like, questions about this. What did y'all call him? Empirical? Imperator? What, what's his real name? The Imperator. Imperator, whatever the the main baddie. I, only thing I didn't like about the story is who is he and why. That, that, that was my question about the story. Like I, I didn't understand why he was. It never really gave that. He just hates magic. Well, that's a Jason Aaron thing. He he really likes the long game, and he likes laying things in and like. Um, and that, that's part of. I, th- I think. I think what he does here, he does most effectively because, like, his event. I'm reading. He's writing the Avengers right now, and it's okay. But he keeps doing this stuff. Like he'll like lay little hints of stuff in. You'll get a page or two of like vampires, and you won't see vampires for forever. And you'll like almost forgot vampires or everything. They'll pop back up like a year later, and he he lays stuff in and like leaves these threads dangling. And sometimes he goes back, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he'll explain yeah. them a lot, or just like tantalize you and try to keep you going. And I think he does it more effectively here than he does some other places. But that, but yeah. that's what he's doing. He's trying to keep you just keep you coming back. And so he's like, so he's letting you see like you know you see like a little hint in the first issue, that, that, those last two pages, and then e- each issue get a little more, and then we then we see him kill a whale with like Krypton heat vision or whatever that was, and then it was just, you know, that, that's that's what Jason Aaron does. Yeah, but I I really back to my notes real quick. But I did like this story, other than the bad guy. Like I wish I had a little more information on him. I think it was just missing a little bit. I can know his reasons of why he's wanting to eliminate magic from everywhere, not just Earth, but all dimensions. If you keep reading, you'll get it. You'll get all. I, I've, I've already, I've already downloaded the other one, so <laughs> I'm keep reading. And you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like in the story, you know, I, I kind of liked this cliffhanger because I think it happened right before the big battle, so I know it's coming. So that's that's a good way to hook your readers want to get the next volume, and it's already in unlimited. So I mean, I'm gonna start reading it soon. We get done with this. Well, my see, that's fine. Like I said, I was reading it, you know, monthly. Um, but but if you're if you're trade waiting this thing, you're waiting six months, yeah, or, or whatever for this to come out for the end of that one cliffhanger. So I mean, that would suck, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean now now that it's past tense and like the whole run can be grabbed, it's not a big deal. You can just like you said, just download it and keep going. Yeah, but it, but if you were reading this as an individual book, that's not a very satisfying ending. No, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, see and. You said the pacing was good, Sam, and I, I thought the pacing was real good. I mean, once I like you kind of got the ball rolling, uh, it just kept picking up speed. I mean, there really wasn't a lot of downtime. Uh, so I, it kept me engaged in the story, and I liked the uh, Empirical as bad guys. Uh, I didn't. I liked him as a bad guy. I, I wish I had more information. I, I want to know his See, I think, why and how. I think with the the constant narration of Dr. Strange, we're getting kind of an inner monologue from him. I think that helps keep us in the story as Dr. Strange's perspective. We're seeing things from his perspective. So he doesn't know a lot about, about them now. So I think that helps 
draw me into the story as Doctor Strange. I feel like I'm going along with him. So he's got limited inf- information on who they are. So we've got limited information on who they are. So I don't know if that was a, a, a story element he was trying to use uh, or what have you, but I, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just another magician. I'm glad it wasn't just, you know, Dormammu again. Like, you know, they made yeah. a couple of references. To, yeah. I like that it's some kind of alien technology or, or, or other dimensional technology that's interacting with. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not just another magician. Dr. Strange has got to go fight. So I, I, I thought that was cool. And uh, for me, I thought the story was the best part of our pyramid yeah. this week. I really, I had a lot of fun with the story and uh, it had a theme the whole way through the whole magic has a cost. It, it, it wasn't hit or miss some issues where they were talking about it. It was an overarching uh, element of the whole story for the whole time was magic has a cost. Uh, and that's not something I've, I've really, uh, with Dr. Strange, I'm not used to seeing that. You never see that before with him. I, I was wondering, if, I was wondering if y'all knew anything about that. Cause I haven't read a lot, a lot of Dr. Strange. I've pretty much mm-hmm. read Jason Aaron's strange, not much else. I, I, I think he may have invented that. That may be like one of his additions to the Dr. Strange sort of mythos. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, but I don't know because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> there's some kind of balance that has to be kept. Yeah, and, you know, he's been slinging all this magic around and not been paying his price. So I, I, I liked that concept. But I, I like the way you were talking about how the, how the pacing was good. But I like sort of the big picture, like how he's like turning the dials, like balancing things out differently in each in each issue. Like the first issue was like, like it's a one shot story with like a little taste of the empirical. And then, like, issue two, it's another sort of one-shot story. It's going to carry over into the next issue, but there's even more empirical. You get a little, a little bit more. And, it, and then by issue five, you know, he's, he's ratchet, kept ratcheting the dials to where it's, it's, it's all empirical. But, it, you don't, but you don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel like we're going from one-shots to a big story. Like, he's slowly shifting the balance. I think, I think, I think it was very effective. It is. I, I enjoyed it. I, I like the, the creatures they introduced in the story, too. It was, it's pretty interesting where they intertwine them with the story. Like, they're always around and stuff. I, it was a pretty cool story element. We'll get into that. Uh, it could be a character element, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 He lives in a weird world. They built a weird world for yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange to walk around in. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got an award for that, too, this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought when he went to the... Um, the place where the slugs came from. I thought that was a very effective thing for the story. Like it, it really showed the stakes. Um, it isn't like one little, one little guy like being assassinated here and there. It's not like this one little like hunt for the sor- for sorcerer Supremes either. It's, it's an all out war against magic and, yeah. and, and they're powerful. They're not just able to go after you know, a solo, you know, sorcerer at a time. Like they can, they can, they've got power. They can get a bunch of dudes all at once and massacre like one of those magical places in the multiverse. And so, um, I, I thought that that scene especially was, was very yeah. big and, sh- and showing what, what we're really up against. Yeah. You, you don't get a whole lot from the empirical, uh, but they definitely feel like a big threat. They give you enough that you see that they mean business. They're not out dilly dallying. They're, they're wiping magic out and they're pretty effective. at it. Oh yeah. They're very effective at it. All right. Um, anything else on story? Uh, no, that's all I had. Um, last thing I wanted to highlight was something that I think you were already, already pointing to, Josh, but I, I like the, the theme here that they've got going. And I'm not quite sure where Jason Aaron lands, although there is a lot of magic in his Thor series, and they're doing a lot of that in the Avengers right now, too. But 
um, that that balance between like the magical weird stuff in reality versus like this, you know, emphasis on reason and science being dangerous kind of thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm curious about like, what, 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 what he's going for there. Like thematically, what, what's he on about, you know, is, is he saying that like that, um, that we're too dependent on technology and that we're like, there, there's stuff beyond science that's real and that matters and that we should be thinking about and that we're robbing ourselves of the richness of reality by only focusing on what reason and science can, can give us. I just, I mean, it's, there's, there's, I feel like there's something going on there and I haven't quite, you know, nailed it down. What, what, what he's trying to say. I thought, but I thought there's, there's some kind of message there. Hmm. I think put your finger on it. Yeah. But I, but I, but I like stories that make you think about stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, you want to move on to art, Josh? Yeah. Uh, the, this is where I had my most nitpicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth on it. Uh, it's sometimes it got real cartoony. And it worked for some of the weird stuff. I mean, that worked as a style choice to have, you know, the the brain slugs and the mouths coming out of Zelda's head and stuff like it's cartoony and, and it works. But then there are times where some of the panels are so realistic and it's just such a completely different style. Like when you see the ancient one in the flashbacks, uh, some of the dogs when uh, they were running, some of the empirical, they look way more realistic. And that disparity between the cartoony and then the serious realism I did not care for it off. They'd have just picked the cartoony style and just rolled with that. That would have been fine. Uh, I, I didn't like, I felt like they were trying to combine some styles that didn't work for me. Uh, but I thought the color was really good. And then the lack of color, the use of color. I enjoyed that. There were panels when we're seeing through Dr. Strange's third magic eye, some of the more mundane everyday stuff is just black and white where the magical stuff is color. And I, I kind of liked how they highlighted stuff with the use of color. Uh, but I, I mean, overall, I kind of like the art, but I, I don't know where I landed on it exactly. <laughs> Still kind of confused on how I feel about the art in this thing. The art was the weakest point for me, honestly. It yeah. was, I agree with you about back and forth on two different styles and all stuff. I wish this one was done more realistic and they could have done some amazing things with the monsters and the, the stuff that goes creepy in the dark, you know, I think they could have killed that. It doesn't go with the car- cartoony style, but like you said, they're, they're waffling back and forth on it. And uh, our notes are almost identical because I like how they used the colors. Like when he was in the, in his third eye, whatever, the other dimension, in his astral form, floating around like it was all black and white, and then certain things had color. I, I really like how they emphasized all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I've got complaints, but different complaints than you guys have. I'm I'm not a fan of Chris Bacallo. Um Remember when we did uh, X-Men Revolution? Yeah. And he's just, there's certain kinds of books that he's the wrong artist for. The X-Men being one of the books he's wrong yeah. for. Um, he drew some Spider-Man that was just, he's the, he Hard. should never, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> um, I think if, if, if there was ever a book that he was going to work on, it's this one. Um, he draws the weird stuff really well. Um, mm-hmm. And the times it gets cartoony, like, but, it helps set the tone because he's, he's setting kind of a um, slightly comedic tone to the whole thing. Like, you know, this is, this is a funnier, goofier Dr. Strange than we're used to. Yeah. And that's the way Jason Aaron's writing him and the Bacallo's art makes it work. Um, but there are things about Bacallo's style that I don't like. I mean, the action is super unclear. I can't tell people are doing half the time, especially when they're fighting. Um, I don't know what he's stabbing with swords. I don't know why swords are breaking in half. I don't know where the axe came from. I don't know where it went. I don't know what he's doing with it. I don't know yeah. what he's hitting with it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, the axe uh, just like disappeared. 
in that fight. Like he had his hands, and then it wasn't. Yeah, I remember on the, like on Criminal, you complained about there being uh, not enough detail. Uh, but Carlo's yeah. the opposite, man. There's too much detail. <laughs> I mean, he's got busy panels. Like I don't know how to pick out what I'm supposed to look at, what's supposed to be important, and what's what sometimes. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, um, really busy panels. Like especially like in the issue three when he's in his uh, the astral form most of the time, every one yeah. of those panels are just loaded with stuff. Like man, like I said, then it, then it was in color and some was in black and white and all that. I liked how that they blended that together, but like you said, it was crazy busy panels. Well, and you all talked about the uh, the colors looking good. I didn't like how the colors look. I thought I thought they were clever how they used color and like mm-hmm. when it came and went. But I didn't like how the book was colored. I felt like yeah. it was kind of washed out and weird looking sometimes i, I just it, it, I, it wasn't that appealing to me it was a, it was definitely a different color palette it was like a i don't know what the word is I'm, I'm not good with color but it was it was very like like you said flat washed out looking color well it looked like he watercolored it some yeah some of it yeah yeah uh, yeah i think the 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 use of color was way better than the actual color choices they made yeah the use of color was pretty well and and like i said the weird stuff looks weird i mean for a doctor strange book titled way of the weird i mean there should be some weird looking stuff in here and and they got that i mean that was one thing they had in spades they had a lot of weirdness in in the book i wish wish they would have went with like i said earlier i wish i went with a realistic style because i I think they could have done some more creepy stuff with the with the monsters and stuff because i can't even talk Beetlejuice vibe from some of the monsters. If that makes any sense to you all. <laughs> yeah. I kept seeing the tentacle, the the black and white stuff, and all that. I'm like, man, I feel Beetlejuice is in here somewhere. Well, I, guess I, I don't I don't mind Bacallo's style on here. He's still not my favorite. And yeah. and I and I think too, like if we really want to make the empirical and the Imperator scary, Bacallo's not going to do that. Um, yeah, no. But. But he, well, I do want to say, I think he was really, what he was really good at in this book, especially, was capturing emotion on facial expressions. Yeah. Um, I felt, I felt like we kind of always knew what everybody was feeling, and that was super clear. But we should yeah. move on. <laughs> we should <laughs> keep rolling. We beat that horse. Yeah. All right. Uh, characters. Um, this was like a brand new Doctor Strange to me. Um, I haven't read a whole lot of Doctor Strange. This was like a different dude. Like there's like he's like he's brain swapped with somebody else. Because um, he's usually like all dark and broody and um, you know gloomy. And this guy's, I mean, he's goofy. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's kind of you know he's got problems in his life, but he's got kind of a sunny disposition about it. He's more yeah. goofy and funny um, than what I'm used to, and he's more humble about stuff. Because I mean, I've always thought Doctor Strange is kind of a pompous dude, and and this one's a pretty humble guy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of more more heroic, uh, more sacrificial about what he's doing. Um, I like him more. I'm just not sure he's the same guy. <laughs> I like yeah, it's him. a different character. And uh, we were talking about before the show started about how you know this isn't the Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange. I mean, I, I would not cast Benedict Cumberbatch to play this guy. No. no. But you know, uh, there was a lot of characters... In this one, but it's the same thing we had last week. It's like a lot of characters, but no, no development. They're kind of already said who they are, you know. I mean, because there's what well, we had three. We already knew we had Doctor Strange, Wong, and Scarlet Witch showed up, so we already know who those people are. But Scarlet Witch only done like a little piece, but all kinds of new characters that we don't know nothing about, and they were there. They're just they're just magicians or sorcerers or whoever they are. They're just there in the well, characters. He- 
I, I feel like Jason Aaron is doing something a little bit different here because we, we, we're all, we, we always talk about character development. How do the characters develop? How do they change? How do they adapt? All that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think that's what Jason Aaron was doing here. I think what he was more doing was like pulling back the curtain and doing character revealing. Reveals, yeah. Yeah, and so we I learned about that. why he eats all the weird junk. And it's because mm-hmm. of the stuff. And we learn about, like, you know, why do you have to puke without puking? And then we learn about, like, what Wong has done in the background to help Doctor Strange do, do his mission. Um, and I, I, so I think, I think he was just more revealing, like, pulling the curtain back and showing us, like, hey, this, this, is, this is what he has to do to do what he does. Yeah. And, this, and this is the guy he really is. He's just not dark and gloomy, pompous guy. He's a real hero. Yeah, right. and that was, that, was, that was a good take on it. I like it. Yeah, you pretty much just read off all my notes. Uh, <laughs> but my notes, I like this version of Doctor Strange. I, I like him. Uh, and then I thought the character, I thought they all felt real. Uh, and I understood all their motivations, aside from the empirical. But I know why Doctor Strange is doing the things he's doing. Like, I get why he is the way he is. Zelda, I get why she's doing what she's doing. Like, I understand stuff. Uh, Wong, I really enjoyed Wong. He was more than just a sidekick. He wasn't just a guy in the shadows that, you know, minds the library or whatever. Like he was a big part of the story. Uh, yeah. And he's carrying a lot of weight too. Like he's playing a big role in it. And I like that. So I, I, I thought all the characters were good. Uh, and, and, and I thought Zelda stole the show sometimes with her reaction to the magical world and to the sanctum. Like I, I thought that was a lot of fun having her in, having a, a, a normal person <laughs> roll into that world. I thought that was fun. And then it has to develop with her. Like, she come in all scared and terrified, and then she slowly develops into this, like, I ain't going to say hero, but she comes into more of a strong personality towards the end, willing to help him do whatever she could. I did like I did like her character. Yeah, I, I thought one of her best character moments for me, and this ties back into the art, Jamie, like you said, with getting some of the emotions across, is when she has to tell her deepest, darker secrets to <laughs> yeah. get the... Uh, Soul Eaters to come back to her. And you can see just the anguish on her face and the embarrassment and uh, just getting that out. And then hearing what her deepest, darkest secrets are. I'm like, okay, she's she's a pretty good person. Like, if that's the worst <laughs> things in the world she's hiding, she don't like dogs. <laughs> like, you know, okay. She, I get who she is a little bit. I, I thought that was fun. I wouldn't have revealed that, though. Because most people in the world will think you're a bad person if you don't like dogs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the great scheme of things. <laughs> pretty good I, I, I know i'm just being mean yeah, I but I, I really i like zelda a lot and i i think that she brought a fun angle to the story you know, we, we needed somebody outside the magic mm-hmm. uh to help to help us you know to help, help them have to explain the magic to fresh eyes it, it, yeah. it worked really well and she and she was just a cool character because um, yeah, w- without her we wouldn't get that scene explaining why dr strange eats the weird food like without her we don't get that so yeah, yeah. that she was a good vehicle for getting some of the information across uh and Wong is great here. I just, I love him. Uh, I, I do, I do think they borrowed some of this Wong for the movie, though. Yeah, I yeah. see that. I, I, this isn't the same Doctor Strange, but it's a very similar Wong. Yeah. Um, I love the Secret Disciples of Strange, though. I love those guys. I love that that's in the story. I love how that works. When we first see them all floating there, you know, suffering and mangled and mutated because of what they're doing for Strange, I'm like that is cool man that's just a cool little story thing and then when they hop down from floating and suffering and go out to help fight the empirical i'm like ah, those are cool dudes and this is a cool yeah. scene yeah 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 somebody's got to pay the press yeah so I, I i would I, I know they're not going this angle but if, if the new movie it was the, the multiverse of madness if it was the empirical coming uh, i mean that scene needs to be in that movie those guys yeah. that are helping 
share that stuff. And then, I mean, I think how cool that fight scene would be to, to actually see a live action on a giant screen. If we ever get to see things on giant screens again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, so that'll bring me something I should have mentioned on the story part. Uh, they, they have uh, the secret monks of strange or whatever uh, paying the price for him. What was the seller? He had something set up in the seller. Do, do you ever find that out? I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. If, if they say what it was, I don't remember what it was. It sounded like he had something set up to kind of help alleviate some of the burden of paying the price for all his magic in his cellar. And uh, Wong decided apparently it was a better option to have all these monks <laughs> in the Himalayans the getting mutated months. and damaged yeah. paying the price. So I don't know what was the, in the cellar that that was the better option. Uh, Maybe he had some Monaco's rabbit cages. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I was cu- that, that made me real curious. I'm like, this is the lesser of the two evils, Wong? Like, what, what was in the cellar? I, I wonder if he had, like, a personal torture chamber down there. Like, he would go down there and, like, you know, get on the rack himself or something. <laughs> I, I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah. Made me curious, though. All right. Um, you want to give us some awards? Yep. Let's do it. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> And these are the things we dig most in Doctor Strange. Sam, best cover, go. All right, so I've done a variant also. We'll get back to that. Did y'all do variants in the back? Yes, I did. Okay. So my normal cover is issue two, page 31. Is the fridge with the tentacles coming out. I love that for some reason. Bingo. <laughs> what page was that again? Run, run me the page. I didn't find it yet. 31. And I think that's the, the tentacle lady from the issue one, though. I think it's so. Weeder. But it's still cool. It does look cool. It looks cool. All right, this is the fridge that you're not supposed to open. It's all chained. Yep. <laughs> I, I like how they did the uh, the refrigerator magnets and spelled out names and messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the yeah, uh, I see Ditko. Yeah, I, I see Ditko on the bottom. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve Ditko co-created Doctor Strange. He, the, uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange were his big two co-creations. For oh. Marvel. All right, Josh, what was your base cover? Uh, it's the same one. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I, I I waffle between that one and cover one on page four. Um, I really like cover one. Cover um, one is good. I like yeah. the better. I like them both. Yeah, I feel uh, like I'm cover not- two was more representative of what's inside the issues. More cartoony. You had the tentacle monster. The Beetlejuice thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Beetlejuice thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sam, you said you had a variant. We got. So variant is also issue two, but it's on page one ten, and it's to the right side of the one ten. There's two issues on page one ten, but it's the one on the right, and it's one done by Alex Ross. Yeah, I knew somebody picked the Alex Ross one. Yeah, that's the one I picked too. You copied my covers. See, and I, I would love to see the whole thing done this way, this type of art. See, I don't that know if it would have worked as well, um, because because of like the the slightly humorous, you know, goofier like strange we were doing. They could still uh, do that. They could still pull it off. I when I think of you know goofy and funny, I don't think Alex Ross. Yeah, and, and, oh, I, and I, love, I, love, I love Alex Ross. I just don't think that's what he's you know, necessarily awesome at. Okay, mine is um, going to be the very next page, um, and it is the Tim Sale one on the left. Yeah, I'm I thought about that one too. Biggest fan of Tim Sale, but you know what? He drew a cape in the right proportions for a change. Mm. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look tattered and broken. And I like the way the smoke looks and the way he's got the, the shadow from the window from the, the sanctum on it. I just think it looks mm-hmm. really cool. I liked everything but 
that his actual face on that face, one. Yeah, his face. I would have picked that except for his face. He looks. Uh, That's why I didn't pick it too. It's like a little Dracula. Family. What was his name? Yeah. I got a little Dracula action going on there. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't pick the Deadpool variant, Josh. I wanted to, but <laughs> they, it's they, not they, that good, honestly. Like, I mean, to look, it's not that it. good. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was like one thing with Deadpool. You had to, I thought you would have to pick it. No. I try to be somewhat objective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you're somewhat offensive. What's your best character? <laughs> best character? Uh, I wanted to say Doctor Strange, but I thought Zelda stole the show, so I went with Zelda. I think if you chose Doctor Strange, Zelda, or Wong, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I've got a three-way tie. I don't even know how to decide. Since you picked Zelda, I'll pick Wong. I just like yeah. Wong a lot. Okay, well, I only had Doctor Strange, so that's all, it covers all three of them. <laughs> we got them all. I did. I really did enjoy Doctor Strange. Zelda was really good. She was a really close pick for me, but I liked Doctor Strange in this one. I had a hard time. I, I just I, I like that you know Wong's sort of you know machinations in the background to set up you know a structure so that strange can survive and do his mission. I was, uh, but I liked them all. Yeah. All right. Uh, best panel um, is on page 43. Uh, it's panel one. Uh, it's the uh, Dr. Strange floating while reading panel. I just think that looks really cool. Um, he's, you know, doing the, the sort of the cross-legged sit in midair, you know, books and scrolls and stuff floating all around. around him. Yeah. Yeah. And Zelda's like, I like the expression on Zelda's face. I just, you know, it's a cool panel. It's a cool panel. I just, I don't like the way they draw him there. Yeah, his okay. his face kind of went all over the place. It did. I didn't mention that in the art section, but I was rolling with it. But yeah, he, he, he looks different here than he does anywhere else, I think. Well, the only consistent face in the whole book is Zelda. Is Zelda, yep. Yeah. And Wong. Wong was pretty consistent. Until issue five, then he looks yeah. completely different. Yeah. Uh, anywho. Anywho. So my best panel is on page 61, panel 3. I like the color in this one. It's got the black little stuff we were talking about, the black and white with some of the color. That's just all the magic. Doctor Strange fed, fed the slugs coming out of the roof of the sanctum. I feel like you've copied all my awards because that's the same <laughs> one I had. All right. So, I mean, Josh is winning. <laughs> I guess so, Jamie. You're getting outvoted on everything so far. Truth is not decided by a vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, best hey. dialogue. Sam, what you got? So, uh, I went with something funny, because this was a kind of funny story. So, I went with page 36 and 37. It's when Zelda is walking into his library for the first time. And uh, she screams, this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. So, do you really put all your books in piles like that? God, you're a monster. <laughs> it's, it's the middle of all the chaos going on. She sees the piles of books and it freaks her out. Like, you had head monsters just a few minutes ago. <laughs> she's the librarian, man. Yeah, no, she's a librarian. But that's just yeah. the way she reacted she, to the same books piled up. She still has a wound in her head with teeth that bites people, and she's yeah. horrified at the books. I, that was one of, I, I, was, I had a tie. That was one of my ties. I, I, I liked it. It made me laugh. And I'm, I'm married. I'm married to a librarian, and so I, yeah. I hear those kind of, kind of comments on the on the regular. All right, Josh, what's right. your best dialogue? All right, I I picked the uh, page nineteen 
it's got a lot of dialogue, so I'm not going to read it because there's a lot going on. But it's when Monaco is first telling Strange that there's a price to magic right. and that he used to drown his rabbits in the basement every night when he used magic. And he's asking yeah. Strange if he's paid the price, and Strange gives him a rundown on what his life's like. Uh, so I, I like that interaction. I like that dialogue. Uh, but I also liked it because it reminded me of uh, Woody Harrelson from 2012. You know, Monaco is this weird, strange guy that's, like, living out by himself, and everybody's, like, rolling their eyes when he's talking because he's this crazy person that doesn't make any sense. And it turns out he's right. He's right, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> he actually knew what he was talking about. Did you catch that reference, Jamie? I didn't watch that movie. Oh, never mind. Oh, well. Somebody that's just didn't watch that movie. I watched it. I knew it was a disaster okay. movie starring human vanilla John Cusack. I, I didn't <laughs> it's fine. Woody Harrelson was in it. He was the highlight of that. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in that movie. Yeah, well, he, he, he played his fall bit, but it was awesome. Yeah, Anyhow, it was the best sorry. part of that movie. The only thing I remember from the trailer is like John Cusack in a little biplane going at this giant wave or something. I'm like, you know what? I don't need that in my life. <laughs> All right, uh, my best, my best dialogue is on page seventy-six. Well, it starts on page seventy-six, and it's when Wong explains the whole food situation to Zelda. Mm, yeah, and I thought I thought I thought it was a really sort of poignant dialogue, but also um, I like what it like, especially revealed about you know Doctor Strange, the sacrifices he makes to be the Sorcerer Supreme and to do what he needs to do. But uh, I'm not gonna read all of it. But I'll read some. I'm actually just saying it smells like culinary afterbirth. Anyway, <laughs> it, says, it tastes like <laughs> leprosy. Yeah. Um, he says, enjoyment has nothing to do with the doctor's choice of sustenance. In fact, he has no choice at all in the matter. Exposure to magical energy changes a mortal body over time. After years of casting spells to save the world, this is literally the only food that the doctor's stomach can accept. And then he does the taste like leprosy thing. He says, food that would kill the normal man and someday will likely kill him as well. And then, you know, Zelda taking it in says, well, geez, when you put it that way, it's really kind of, yes, it is indeed. I thought it was cool. Yeah. That, that yeah. was my runner up. That's a good one. I also liked later when uh, they invite her back for dinner sometime and she's like, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going <laughs> to eat here. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Never, ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did like uh, Dr. Strange's comment later about uh, how, what, how, how much torture it is to live in New York and not be able to ever eat pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, I miss pizza. <laughs> you should go to Sparrow with Michael Scott. It's some authentic New York pizza. <laughs> That's an office joke for it nobody on the podcast. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, Josh, what's your best full page spread? All right, we're going to page 68. It's the ancient one, full shot of his head. When I saw that, I was like, it, it just highlighted how cartoony the rest of the drawing is how much yeah. the rest of the art that is, is so good. but that was really good i like that yeah that was uh one of my three-way ties <laughs> would you pick something man jeez well i am <laughs> um, i'm gonna i'm gonna i've got only two options at the pick between now okay um, okay go to page 25 i think sam i think you'll pick my other one sam i doubt it that's the one i got okay i'll let you have 25 and i'll go with my other one how about that Okay, I only have one pick. Okay, then go to page 88. <laughs> Surprised you didn't have the same one I had, Sam. And I had is... it, I thought about it, but I'd li- I liked the 88 better. I mean, the 25 better. 88 is the one with uh, Doc having the bleeding eyes. Bleeding eyes, yep. Yeah. He's all yeah, battered and bleeding and 
getting ready to go to the sailor to do something yeah. that we need to, we need to learn about. Yeah. Okay. Wong, that's, why can't I new. see? Everything's dark. <laughs> Your eyes are bleeding. Oh, that's new. <laughs> All right, that Sam, good. what did you pick? All right, so I went with page 25, and it was Zelda's Head Monsters. <laughs> the Brain Beasts. I like that picture. It is cool. Yeah, yeah that was creepy. It reminded me of Army of Darkness when he had the eyeball coming out of his shoulder at first. That's what oh, those yeah. mouths coming out of her head reminded me of. I was like, oh, it's so creepy. You know, we'll save that. Anyway, uh, our last award is the best bit of weirdness. And Sam, I've got two options on this. <laughs> I'll go first then. I've only got one option. So my, my bit of weirdness on this one is uh, Doctor Strange's meals. All the like the little creatures and the eyeballs and all that stuff. I thought that was pretty weird. All right, Jamie, you go. What you got? I, I helped you out. Was here. that one of yours, Jamie? No, Josh, help Do me you out. want me to go? Yes, yeah. do it. Okay. All right, so I went with uh, page 56. It's when uh, he's in his astral form and he's out of magic. So he reaches down his mouth and pulls one of his astral organs out and uses it like a grenade. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know at first what he was doing in that first panel, and then I see him holding one of his organs. I'm like, oh, okay. He's using his guts as bombs. That makes sense. Okay, I, I've got I've got two still. <laughs> oh, man. There was a lot of weird to choose from. I'll give there, you that. There was. There was a ton of weird to choose from. My, my first one, I, I guess will be my official one, is uh, on page 15. It's the invisible street fight. So he looks like he's fight like it. So we we see from his perspective, and he's fighting this weird thing that swallows him whole, and he's fighting with it, and he's you know, murder. and then they show us what the humans can just see. And on page sixteen, he's just standing there being a weirdo. They say that weirdo. And the other thing was uh, the fact that dogs can see magic when people can't. So yeah. like so like when dogs are just barking at stuff, like we joke about our dogs barking at the ninjas we can't see, like they they can just see the magic. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun little thing. Like, you know, to take the fact that dogs bark at wind nonstop or leaves or whatever, like, and to make it like a, a story point. I thought that was pretty clever. Right. Yeah. Usually it's the cats that can see the supernatural or the magical or whatever, but yeah, the dogs in this one. He must have dogs. Or good taste. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So go back to my pick of the Beard of Weirdness. Here's what made me pick it. Go to page okay. 20, uh, 42. Page 42. Look at panel two. Got frog stuff jumping out of. It. He's got pouring a bottle with got a skull and crossbones on top of it. It's not just regular hot sauce. That's going to kill you, whatever it is. I, I, I like how Zelda hides from his dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. I want to cast this thing. Let's cast it. All right, Sam. Who is your Doctor Strange? Man, I still good luck, sir. It's hard. You know. I've got three. I pulled a Jamie for once. Everybody else, I've got one on. Sadly, so, it's a Jamie. It is a Jamie. You've done it every now. award. That's what we're going to call, we'll call a Jamie from now on. So i got three to pick from. I'm going to roll the dice. And I want to say this guy, but I've used him a lot here lately. So he's turning into my Carl Urban. So I'm not going to use him. We're going to use Ian McGregor. I could just see him doing it. He's a good actor. He is a good I, actor. I, I think he could pull it off. It'd be a little more of a serious role, but I could still see him doing some of the stuff. He's pretty good at Goofy. I mean, he yeah, doesn't he do it a lot, but he can't. Yeah. It's not It's not a terrible choice. I wouldn't be mad. It's not terrible. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, with that ringing endorsement, it's better <laughs> than my pick. Uh, <laughs> I got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That wouldn't be bad. 
That's, that's a fine I think, pick. I think it might uh, be better. Barring Third Rock from the Sun, I haven't saw him do a lot of like goofy stuff. I mean, he's kind of developed into more of a serious actor. I mean, he yeah. can do goofy, but, but it's in there. It's no. in there. I think he could do it. You need yeah. to watch that new movie on Netflix with him and Jamie Foxx in it. He does goofy in it pretty good. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. He was on he my short list of five people. <laughs> so you're just doing lists for each awards now, right? <laughs> yeah. Doing... Well, let's see what the guys pick. I'll go off that. Uh, see, I, I did narrow it down to two. Um, and Jogo wasn't one of them. I'm going to go with Chris Pine. That, that's a really good one, too. That'd be a different take. Yeah. He's good at funny. He really he is. He's really good at funny. Yeah. Um, but he's a really good actor, and I just think, oh, he can pull it off. I don't, I don't know about the mustache. I can't see him with a mustache, but... Yeah. Very few people right. could pull off the Doctor Strange stash, though. I, I, I want to say my guy I should have went with. I just want okay. to say it again. Oscar Isaac. That's who I was thinking. He's in he everything. On, he was I one think, of my five? I think he would be better. <laughs> I, I like him McGregor, don't get me wrong. But I've just used Oscar Isaac so much here lately. I didn't want to say him again, but I think he'd kill this role. I actually what? had him on... I had lists for like each of these people, and he, Oscar Isaac got on two of my lists. <laughs> I, for some reason, I got a feeling you've got a list of like ten people, and you've just got the top five. So we could say ten names, you'd be like, "Yeah, that's in my five. No, Doctor Strange was the was the most had five. Every <laughs> but every one of them except for one had a list of at least three. I've I've, I've got one pick after this. I've I got one person for everybody. I didn't have, I don't have a list. Yeah. All right. So All I right. think Oscar Isaac would be a good one, but jo- Joseph Gordon Levitt that's a really good. Okay. Nicholas Nicholas Holt was my runner up. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. He might be a little too young looking. I know this is a younger looking Doctor Strange, but to have went through medical school to become the world's best neurosurgeon, to spend years training with to be Sorcerer Supreme, and then to be Sorcerer Supreme for several years, dude's got to be in his late thirties, right? I'm old enough to remember Doogie Hauser. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. <Just> saying. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways. Let's move on to Zelda Stanton. Josh, who was your Zelda? Uh, Jazz Sinclair. I knew I see you already reaching for your <laughs> searching right devices. Answer. That's who I got. That's the right Is answer. it? Yep. All right. Yeah, uh, she's in the, uh, advent- the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Sabrina. Unfortunately, we and Josh both watched it. I've watched it. Yeah, episode. we both watched it. So, but she is in there, and she is a good actress, and yeah, she looks she the is. part. I think she could kill that. that that's a, as soon as I seen her, I'd like for is that really her. who you have to see? Yeah. It's the only person I wrote down. Like as soon as I seen her in the in the comics, I got that's that's her. Yeah. We compared notes before we started recording, Jenny. She doesn't look nerdy enough. She in Sabrina, she she I can say she's nerdy, but she wears glasses and she has that look. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to Google mine. Um, I cast Ariella Barrer or Bearer. I'm not sure. Uh, she played Gertrude Stein on The Runaways. I know you talking about. Yeah, Gertrude, yeah. Yeah, and she gives off Runaways. a... Okay, I didn't know. If, I didn't, yeah, that's right. You did. Josh is the only one that wouldn't watch it. You should at least watch the first season. But uh, she gives off kind of a you know a Zelda vibe on that show. You know, smart, yeah. funny, nerdy. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. I, I think I think mine, Josh's, is better because I've seen both of them. I think this this jazz girl would get really good at it. Sure. Okay. Next, next one is Wong. And all right, guys, I'm gonna say mine, and we can just move on. Okay. <laughs> Jackie Chan. Okay, moving on. 
So I went with <laughs> playing Tekken. Did you have Maybe. a time machine? Did you have a time machine? The yeah, time machine. Be it had, who, who says what AG has to be? Oh, that's, that's true. true. He that's can true. do the funny. He's, act, he's actually a good actor. And, I mean, he can still do the action scenes. Yeah. I may have considered him for the ancient one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is getting older. He is getting older. I'm just saying. Okay. So right. not, for, you're not crazy. Well, Wong's got that kind of like slightly wry humor thing going on. I feel like Jackie Chan could do that really well. Yeah. Anyway, Sam, go ahead. I was right. For the right answer, I got Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's the answer. That's the right answer. Yeah. Only guy I wrote down. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you may have won that one. No, I won that one. It's okay. You can tell me what you lost with. We can just move on past mine if you want. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, who is yours, though, Josh? Uh, Manny Jacinto. Google. Yeah, you have to look him up. He's in the new Top Gun. He was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, he's been in some stuff. He's been in more TV stuff. He hasn't been in a lot of movies yet. For some reason, I haven't seen that new Top Gun movie. It ain't out yet. It's not out yet. I'm, not, I'm making fun of you. Oh, okay. You were, you were like saying, like, hey, he's in the new Top Gun movie. Like, we all know him from that. <laughs> no, I was just saying. Movie. I, I was I mean, using that as a qualifier that he's getting into bigger, more mainstream movies. He's moving out of the TV stuff into the I know, movie stuff. I know him from sure. something. He play, his guy, his name was Jason in the the Good Place TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. I know him. I know who he is. Jason Scott Lee's the right answer, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not mad about that. All right, uh, Sam. Who is your Imperator? So I think I have the right answer on this guy too, and it's Christopher Waltz. Plays an amazing bad guy. I could just see him. Being it, he's in uh, Django and Glorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was the SS Nazi guy. Yeah, man, he plays a really good bad guy. I'm not sure I see him as an Imperator bad guy though. Yeah, I don't know if he's physically we, imposing enough. I mean, seeing him talking the way he can look at people, I think it could be. I think he could pull it off. They give superhero steroids, everybody else gets. He'll be fine. <laughs> He's got to grow a foot, I think, taller. It's called. It's, they've done it in the yeah. the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. They can make him look tall. <laughs> right. It's not that hard. He's okay, Josh. Nine, Do- Josh, who's your imperator? All right, I'm going to try his name. Uh, don't yell at me if I misspeak uh, <laughs> here. Let me get Google ready. Yeah, get it ready. It's Adewale Akinoye Agbaje. I mean, if you if you can't say his name, what's he been in? You're gonna know him. What's he been in? Uh, he was in Oz. He's been in. Hold on, let me get it pulled back up because I had it up. His TV show Oz. Up. Yeah, he was in uh, Born Identity, Pompeii, Suicide Squad, Thor: The Dark World, The Mummy Returns, GI Joe, Ace Ventura. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know that guy. I can't. Yeah, say that yeah you know who he is. Trying to find yeah. him. He was Killer Croc in uh, Suicide Squad. And there's nothing he could have done about that makeup. And that that's, wasn't his that's, fault. Yeah, that's I don't hold fault. that against him. <laughs> no, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had two. And I was hoping somebody would pick one of them. Uh, I'm going to go Denzel Washington. And I don't think we have to time machine it. Denzel can still do it. Um, yeah, no, that's not bad. Yeah, just think about how intimidating he was in training day. I mean, that's been like 20 years ago now, though, but yeah. 
He can still do that. He didn't forget <laughs> how to act. I know. Just <laughs> calling you old. Well, I didn't say I remember last year when he was in training day. <laughs> okay. My backup right. was Henry. My backup was Henry Cable. Okay, I found the guy you talking about. Sorry, Josh. I was, I was no, no, you're fine. No, I was going to I was going to send you his name later. <laughs> I found it. I couldn't right. I couldn't type it up. I didn't know how to spell it. So I just yeah. I, I Google Suicide Squad. You should try saying it. Okay. All right. Uh, we're moving on to the ancient one now. Yes, do it. So I think I won that one. Is that what I heard? I'll take it. No, we'll just. I cast that. Denzel. That's always a win. I mean, yeah. that's not bad. And right. Henry Cavill was my backup. I think yeah. it was because the eye lasers made me think of Henry Cavill. Probably. Okay, Ancient One, moving on. Uh, Ken Watanabe. Oh, I mean, how about Ken Watanabe? Yeah, Watanabe. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a bad one. He, he's, he's, always, he's always a good pick for anything like that. All right, so what uh, do you got, no, Jamie? I, uh, Tamura Morrison. Boba Fett from The Mandalorian. We can even leave the scars on him. That's not bad. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a real good one. All right, so I want to actually want somebody that was ancient. I want this guy been in everything. Dude, dude's 91. I looked up his age. I was, I was curious if he's still alive when I cast him. Uh, James Hong. You don't know him from Big Trouble in Little China. He was the Bo Pan. Uh, <laughs> he's done a lot of voice acting. He is ancient one now. I, I keep saying yeah. <laughs> I, I see him, if you go back to R.I.P.D. when he was in that. You, you all see that movie? Yeah, no. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, he's, I, I love James Hong. He's great. I, uh, I, think, I think it'd be all right for it. I think Josh might have won, though. I wanted to say my guy if I declared Josh the winner. I actually, I thought about the criminal little China, but I was thinking more of the guy that played Egg Shin, not Lopin. Yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> the 10 foot tall guy that Aaron is trekking to or the guy in the wheelchair <laughs> the same guy <laughs> alright anyway uh, our last cast for the week is Dr. Voodoo because after 5 you kind of run out um, and so we kind of threw a dart at a scene in the uh, bar with no doors <laughs> on Dr. Voodoo um, and I went with Henry Simmons. He plays Mac from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And his primary qualification is, is being a tall, intimidating-looking dude. And I think yep. that he, Henry Simmons would be very good at that. It's not bad. Yep. So for the right answer, Jamie Casey while ago went in the wrong spot. That should be Denzel Washington. <laughs> That's why I didn't want you to win that one. That's why I took the win. <laughs> My Chris, Christoph Waltz. Denzel wants Dr. Rudy. Kind of tall and intimidating guy. Denzel ain't taking a role that small. That's true. I mean, it's it's my cast. I can do what I want. I mean, he would kill <laughs> that part. We would have to make his part a little bigger for the, the show, the movie. Sam just blew his entire casting budget on the side <laughs> character with five minutes of screen time. I, he could pull Brad Pitt. I mean, he's come in for a few minutes, get electrocuted, and bounce out. Yeah. All right, Josh, here's your doctor reading. All right, well, what I thought was the obvious right answer, but apparently it's not. Uh, Jamin Hansu. All right, what's he in? You he know. played that character in Constantine. That's basically that what I had in my head. Constantine. 
He's been in everything. He was in Shazam. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he was in Amistad. Uh, let's go down the line. What, what, what else am I thinking of, Josh? I'm trying to think of things Sam would know him from. He was in that terrible uh, Robin Hood, not Robin Hood, uh, King Arthur movie, Legend of the I Sword. Know yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I ain't the do there. Yeah. No, you might be right, Josh. I think you won. Yeah, I do. I think you won too. Yeah. I told you that was the only one I was confident on. <laughs> All right. Not bad. Low clap for that one. Good job, buddy. You won one. I'll take it. There'll be some condescending about it, but I'll take it. I, I think that was more patronizing than condescending. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he also got Zelda because he had the same answer as me, so I obviously made him right. Josh, preview the next pick for us. We're reading one uh, of your books. Okay, we did a last-minute swap, and we're doing Once in Future, Volume 1, The King is Undead. And comicsology summary, so we can make fun of next week. Uh, the king is undead. Long live the king. When a group of nationalists use an ancient artifact to bring a villain from Arthurian myth back from the dead to gain power, ex-monster hunter Bridget McGuire escapes her retirement home and pulls her unsuspecting grandson Duncan, a museum curator, into a world of magic and mysticism to defeat a legendary threat. And you're not mis- uh, you didn't mishear. That was one entire run-on sentence. That was all commas. <laughs> I just realized after I read that there was no periods in that anywhere. I like that she's like coming out of retirement home. Yeah, out of retirement it. home. She's the ancient one. She's coming yeah. out to. She's coming out slay dragons. <laughs> yeah. So it's a blind pick. I've not read it yet. I don't think any of us have read it yet. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I don't. I don't have it's any high hopes for time. it. I yeah, read the first issue or two. It was pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next week. Yep. And uh, the the writer is not the star of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or the, the lady from Doctor Who. It is Karen Gillan, uh, probably known more famously for writing. Uh, what was it? Which one? Are, I'm blanking now. He's he's writing a really famous series at Image, I think, that just ended recently. And I'm blanking on what it's called. Uh, he also wrote Darth Vader forever. Anyway, we're done with that. I'm exposing my own <laughs> terrible Save it for here. next week. Yeah, you should have just brought it up next week. I don't know. Uh, me forgetting stuff, it shouldn't be a shock to anyone who's listened to a single episode of this show. <laughs> you can just edit this out. It'll be fine. Uh, that's <laughs> never happened. Uh, well, anyway, if you like our brand of weirdness on our show here, we're part of an, uh, the, the Nerds Network, and we've got our flagship show, The Nerds of the Round Table, which is a, in general... Uh, pop culture podcast but focusing on movie and tv shows we've got our show here doing graphic novels we've got one thin dime where uh host sammy um goes through like the, you know picks out like these individual characters from the golden age of comics we've got the fram which is a deep dive well not really a deep dive but it's a, it focuses the black hammer comics and the work of jeff lemire and uh like i said if you enjoy the <laughs> whatever it is you call that we do here you might enjoy those shows as well. <laughs> I call it magic. <laughs> Our own brand. And he's gone. Anyway, I think we're done here. We better be anyway. <laughs> All right. See ya. Salute. Good night. See ya. Later. <laughs>